uh, selected to read with uh, you today is from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. It's important to point out, I'm going to do this before I read this, that most of you probably already know this, but uh, the book of Isaiah is a book of prophecy. So some of the things that we're going to talk about here uh, when, at the time when this was written was going to happen. It wasn't necessarily, this isn't different from when we read the Gospels, say, where we're reading an account of what happened. Uh, so perspective there is important, and I'm going to elaborate on that, but uh, this is a book of prophecy. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. This is God's Word. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when diving, dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramp, tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I was mentioning, uh, this text is a prophecy text, and the only way you can really understand a prophecy text is by understanding the context of what's going on here. That's true of any uh, passage in Scripture that you would read. Uh, it's important to know the context. It's easy to take things out of context and make them mean what we want them to mean. Uh, but in this specific case, it's important to understand the darkness of what's happening. Uh, really, the darkness that Isaiah is speaking about is that of exile. Exile is not really a word that we uh, say anymore. We don't really even see or certainly not experience exile in our lives. We're so blessed here in America that we don't even have to think about the possibility of that reality. And even across the world, we don't really see people who are exiled as much as refugees. Refugees are people who flee from certain areas, maybe because of war, maybe because of uh, hardship with uh, the weather or, or some other difficulty, and so they leave. And sometimes they, they have to leave. They don't have a choice. But the difference between a refugee and an exile is being in exile is forced change. 
It's not just having your home destroyed and, and uh, maybe losing loved ones, but it's also being taken somewhere to be oppressed by another nation. So that's really hard for us to even imagine. But that was exactly what happened to uh, the Israelites during this time. First of all, is a prophecy that that would happen, but then that God's light would shine into that darkness, the darkness of exile. God's people had gone through this up and down of being faithful to God, being not faithful to God, and the primary reason for that was because of the kings who would lead them, starting with Solomon who rose to great heights. We talked about him a couple weeks ago uh, when we read Ecclesiastes. He also started this uh, kind of a downward spiral that we see throughout the book of Kings uh, where kings were not honoring God in the way that uh, God had told them to. And that was part of the covenant. And so as a consequence to that, God eventually allowed the kingdom of Babylon to come and conquer Jerusalem, destroy everything, and take the Israelites to Babylon. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? I mean, as I mentioned before, that's not really something that we can envision, this forced change. But to experience the destruction of our homeland, if, if say, this is so far from anything we've ever had to dream about, but just bear with me. Say Canada decided to come uh, across the Minnesota border, came into Lake Crystal, destroyed everything, and we lost loved ones and friends, people in our community, had to go through all of that. Then they also took us to Canada and made us live in that weird place. (laughs) I have friends who are Canadian, so I can say that. (laughs) But, you know, so there's the loss that comes with it, but then there's also learning what it means to live in a new place. Learning what it means to live uh, under oppression. Not being able to experience the freedoms that you had before and, and not being able to worship God in the same way that Maybe you used to, to worship God. There's a, a psalm that I think kind of captures uh, the hardship. I had it marked and then I, I took the mark out because I thought, well, that's not, you know, that's pretty hardcore. But this is one of the hardest texts in Scripture. And I, I think it is actually important for us to read so that we can get a sense of what exile would feel like. Because unless we know what it feels like, then we can't really understand the hope that comes from uh, this prophecy and saying that a child is born to us. This is Psalm 137, and it's called A Lament Over the Destruction of Jerusalem. It reads, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung our harps, For there our captors asked us for songs. And our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. 
happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Wow. That's an intense passage that actually a lot of uh, churches and denominations and, and pastors choose to not read because it's so intense. But if you're really getting a sense of what exile feels like and the, the horrors that those people would have experienced, you can understand the, the rage that they would feel, the sadness, the, dispre- the depression, the despair. And if you're feeling that kind of intense emotion, that kind of darkness, you might want to do harm to the people who had caused it uh, in your life. You get a sense of how this feels? The darkness of exile, of this forced change. It's into this darkness that the promise of hope was given. The promise of light coming into the darkness. It's into this darkness that God speaks these truths about a child being born. Hope into this darkness. Two key promises are seen in this text. One is the removal of of oppression. And the second is everlasting peace. Now think about the context of these uh, Israelites and the failed kings that they had seen and the ups and downs of now our king is faithful to God. Now our king is not faithful to God and they're corrupt. The promise of everlasting peace coming from Jesus in the line of David would be one that would really resonate within their hearts as they're in in a, a foreign land being oppressed, even as we read in the psalm, being mocked and ridiculed. Sing us one of those songs, the captors say. Sing us one of those joyful songs you used to sing. Oh, you don't want to sing that one now? How would that feel? The hope that comes into the darkness is first from the promise of removing the oppression. And second, the promise of everlasting peace that God would do. And why can you trust in this promise? Because God has the power and the authority to bring it about. The power and authority. Now listen to this text. This is from our reading. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace. Sounds like hope to me. That sounds like light in the darkness. The promise that God would appoint and deliver a king who would be faithful, who would lead his people to to faithfulness, who would bring about endless peace during an age of corruption and darkness, despair and turmoil. Now, it's really hard for us to talk about exile when we can't really comprehend what it feels like. Even if we say that we've had forced change, which is true, nothing that we've experienced compares to the Israelites. But we do know forced change, don't we? (laughs) We do know the darkness that forced change brings. We all like positive change. Change that we choose. Change that we step into, like a new career or moving to a new place, or buying a new home, having children. Those are all positive changes, but nobody likes forced change. Not even me. And I like to think that I'm open to change. 
Nobody likes forced change. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And what it stirs in us is darkness. COVID-19, no matter what you think of the choices that have been made or how one state is handling it versus another state or country to another country, COVID change has brought forced change to us. Think back all the way to March when we started hearing about it and like a tidal wave coming, it came and came and came and approached and then it was here. And everything changed. How has that felt for you? How has this last week felt for you? This last month? Six months? Maybe, on some level, we get a sense of darkness. Sadness. Despair. Depression. Anxiety. Frustration. Anger. Hatred. We've seen all of these things. We've likely experienced all of these emotions. And what is that if not darkness? I can't think of a better time, more appropriate time in recent history than right now to celebrate Advent. To embrace this truth. To really think about the implications of this truth. That for us, a child to us, a child has been given. And He offers endless peace. This is the good news. Could there be anything more important for us to comprehend and to understand and to contemplate that God is with us? He lives within our hearts by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the Gospel truth. That in the darkness in which we live, God is with us And more importantly, God comes to us. These people living in exile, they didn't go and find God. They didn't read the next great uh, spiritual book or listen to a killer podcast that helped them to know something about God. God gave this prophecy to them so that they could hope. God told them, you are not alone despite this darkness, despite this despair. This is not the end. And why can we trust in this promise? Because God has the authority and the power to bring it about. That's exactly what we celebrate. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that God has come to us in the darkness. Not by our own doing or our choice, but purely because of God's grace. This is what God has done for us. We don't know exile But there is a kind of exile that we've experienced, a forced change. And that's the one that has been brought about by sin. Our spiritual exile. Our sin and our sinful nature have cast us away from God's presence. Not in a literal sense, but our mind and our heart are cast away from God because of our sinful nature. That's a burden. That's an oppression that we experience internally. And it causes in us all sorts of uh, darkness. That separation from God leads us to sadness and despair. Perhaps anger, hatred, frustration. All the things that we experience in darkness are really caused by sin. 
And this oppresses us. Just like a, a foreign oppressor would. It, it keeps us living in a, li- a life that we don't want and God never wanted for us. And it's this spiritual exile that Jesus has come to address. Jesus, through His life, death, and resurrection, has defeated the oppressor of sin. That's the good news. He's delivered us from that sin. Enabled us to be free. To leave the land where we're captive. To live in the light of His presence. There's a text that specifically is linked in the Gospels with uh, Jesus fulfilling this prophecy. Because you have to understand that when this book of Isaiah was written, Jesus was not on the scene. So part of the way that we can trust what Jesus says and trust that He's the Son of God is because of the fulfillment of these prophecies. So in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins His ministry in Galilee. And this is what we read. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, He withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made His home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. God's reign has begun. The spiritual exile that we've experienced because of sin is no more. But we don't just uh, receive that promise. We don't just receive the gift of freedom without any action uh, of our own. Jesus tells us very clearly the way that we step into freedom is to repent. That's how we take the oppression off of our backs. That's how we walk in the light of Christ. It's to continually repent of our sin and to say, Jesus, I need You. Lead me, Prince of Peace. Give me wisdom, Wonderful Counselor. Deliver me from my sin, Mighty God. Jesus has come into the darkness to save us from our spiritual exile. No matter what darkness we find ourselves in, friends, God comes to us. No matter what you are experiencing now, no matter what hardship, however you may have felt like you failed, that you could do better, maybe you know that you've turned away from God, that you have not been walking in the light, (laughs) that's okay. Jesus comes to find you. That's the importance of celebrating Advent every year and lighting this candle and having the nativity scene out. Remembering this story that in the darkness a light began to shine and we didn't, we didn't light it. God did. Continually seeking after you. Continually wanting to pour out grace into your life. No matter how dark the darkness, God comes to us. Now, I've seen proof of that truth in our congregation because one of the ways that God comes to us in the darkness is through the love and grace that we show one another. That is the importance of being in community as a church, but we do not have to gather here in this space to be 
a community of believers. We've been the community uh, by Casey, Joe, and Darrell making these Advent wreaths and people coming by to pick them up. Lighting them in your homes and being together uh, in spirit. Doing uh, kind things for each other. Calling one another. Sending cards. I've heard so many stories of the ways that you're uh, sending cards to each other. Calling and praying for one another. uh, Interacting with each other on Facebook. All kinds of different things that you're doing for each other. You're bringing the light of Christ into the darkness of one another. The hope that you have that God is with us, that God has the power to sustain us, then forms your actions as you reach out to share that grace with somebody else. Perhaps nothing more important that we can do than to offer hope to others because of the hope that uh, that is present within our hearts acting upon these truths that we believe. Friends, over, the, over this Advent period, but especially over the next week, I invite you to think about these promises. That Jesus comes into our life, into the darkness, bringing light, taking away the burden of sin, and offering us, offering you endless peace. Peace that we receive when we repent from our sins and always receive forgiveness. Always receive the grace of God. Take time to reflect upon those truths and to think about God's action of continually coming, finding us in our darkness. The people in Babylon uh, who were in exile weren't actually saved by Jesus. This is important to know. At least not in a literal sense. Most of them weren't even saved from exile. But the promise of being saved, the promise of God's power and reign and presence ensured that despite the hardship of exile, there was reason to hope. The promise is what gave them hope. Friends, this is an incredibly time for all of us. Forced change. Not quite exile, obviously but still a difficult forced change. But no matter what changes or how much loss we experience or how dark these winter months are, this is the hope that Christ comes to us in the darkness, revealing His reign as King while also revealing the love of God as He brings us our Savior, the One who offers endless peace. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to give us uh, just a couple minutes of silence to think about and reflect upon, these, uh, upon this message, upon the truths that we've heard today. Uh, but I'd like you to take a look at these questions that are up on the screen. And maybe write these down, uh, not the questions themselves, but write this down and, and perhaps even take this as your, um, a journaling practice that you could do throughout Advent helps us to to realize God's presence with us. To remember the promise that God is with us. That God's strength and grace is sufficient for anything that we face. Ask yourself these two questions. One, looking back, where did you experience God's grace this week? Where did you experience God's grace? 
if that's a hard question for you, just think about what went well. In what ways was I blessed? Is another way you could think of it. That's one question. You could write that down to see how God has been there for you this last week. And then the next question, looking forward, how do you need God's grace coming up this week? What do you need to do? What difficulties are you facing? What do you need from God? See, if you start to have this rhythm of asking yourself and and answering these two questions, you can start to get better at seeing how God has been there for you and also uh, get better at saying what you need from God as you move forward. it's It's a reflex of our heart of turning to God and asking for exactly what we need. So I invite you to reflect upon these two questions. Where did you experience God's grace this week and how do you need God's grace this uh, week to come? I'll sit, let's sit in silence for uh, just one minute. And you can write that down or, or just simply uh, offer your heart to God in prayer. And I'll, uh, after one minute, I'll pray for us and then we'll uh, bring our hearts together by saying the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, thank you for the grace that you've shown us, the grace that we've experienced, the grace in which we stand. Lord, it's uh, impossible to really understand how much you love us and to envision the ways that we've been blessed and, and to see them with clarity. But God, we pray that you'd continue to teach us uh, disciplines that can help us to reflect upon the ways that you've been there for us even if we're experiencing intense darkness right now, to know that there has been some light, that you've been there for us in some way. God, we need your Holy Spirit to help us to see. And also, Lord, to to be able to see what we need from you. To have a posture of receiving from you, a posture of surrender, a posture of letting you lead us through through the difficulties of the week. So God, open our hearts as much as possible towards You. Lord, teach us to receive from You. To be filled by Your Spirit as we offer our prayers, as we read Your Word, as we serve You, Lord, as we care for one another, as we care for this community of Lake Crystal. God, we pray all of these things and 
Jesus' name, and we pray now the prayer together that He taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be 